Good morning, everybody. David and Liz aren't here this morning. They're on leave for a while. And um, you could argue that uh, I'm the substitute this morning. It reminds me of a story about um, a vicar who was um, in a parish out in the countryside because the vicar was there who was normally ill. And it was in a very rough part of the country. The windows had been broken and were all boarded up. And um, on his last Sunday, he said to the congregation, I've enjoyed being here with you, but of course I'm not your vicar. I'm like those pieces of cardboard in the window. They're a substitute, and I've been your substitute. At the end of the service, the church warden got up and thanked the vicar. And he says, we want you to know, sir, that to us, you've not been a substitute. You've been a real pain. (laughs) So I just hope I'm not going to be a pain this morning. And I hope no one smashes the windows here. Do you have any faith? Do you have any faith? Well, I hope you do, because when you got up this morning and you put the water into the kettle when you turn the tap on you had faith that water would come out when you turn the switch on on the kettle you had faith that there would be electricity when you got those of you who've had to drive here this morning when you got into your car you had faith that it would start for some of us perhaps with older cars our faith is sometimes waver a bit when you have a meal cooked for you Do you have faith that the person who's cooked it hasn't put poison in there for you and that you'll benefit from it? Can we show the slide, please? Faith. That word. Let's run the next few slides. Forsaking all. I trust him. What a good way to remember the letters of faith. Forsaking all, not forsaking some things, but forsaking all, trust him. Two things happened to me when I was at university that caused me to have faith. I went uh, in in London and uh, I did a teaching degree and a community development part of it. And we were having a residential on Blackheath Common. And Blackheath Common is where the London um, Marathon starts and a very busy road. And one of the exercises we had to do was we had to get into pairs and one of us was blindfolded. I was the one that was blindfolded. I didn't know, otherwise I wouldn't have volunteered if I know what was coming next. What came next was the companion with me was asked to direct me across this busy road with my blindfold on amongst the cars. Now, I remember Joy, one of the group, she started giggling and laughing. And I'm thought, I hope you like me, Joy. I really hope you like me. I put my trust in her. We got across the road. We must have done, because I'm here. I wasn't killed. But I had to put my faith, everything. So sometimes she would say, go left, Martin. Stop. Wait, there's a car coming. There's three cars coming. Count them, and then go one step forward. I remember as though it was yesterday. And also, when I was at um, university, I, I, for my sins, was a commentator for a free-fall parachute team. And uh, one day, I said to Derek, who led it, I said, I'd love to do a jump one day. I wished I hadn't. 
because he arranged for me to do a parachute jump, a solo parachute jump, not a tandem one. I had faith in what was strapped to my front and what was strapped to my back. And I had front that the jump master who was in the plane with me, it was all right. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone. And it was an amazing experience, flying through the air like a bird and steering. But I had put faith. I wonder what, if I asked you what faith meant this morning for you. Let me just read you one or two things from a, a, a group um, stage five in a primary school. David said, faith can mean you trust things. Many people would do quite a lot for what they believe in or more. Lizzie said, I think faith is when you can trust a friend or a family to keep a secret. If you have faith in someone, you know you can trust them. Remember them as a good friend and believe in them. And this is an interesting one. If I can find it. I think faith is something you practice and live by their laws. Like God and his seven commandments, said Sarah. (laughs) Not quite sure about that. Jack says, I think that faith is when you believe in God and believe in heaven and hell and believe in the Holy Spirit. So what is faith? Is it a positive thinking? Is it feeling? Is it one, one's church affiliation? The belief that Jesus died for your sins? Is it confidence? Is it hope? Is it something far more? But why do millions in our world misunderstand this subject? Here is the Bible answer. The Bible states in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's an incredible statement, but it's in the Bible. Take it for what it is. Just think. Anything we do in attempting to be a Christian means absolutely nothing. Yeah, it does. It means nothing if we lack faith. For without faith, we have no hope. We have no hope of pleasing God. Any who are not pleasing God are just living a fake Christian life. Let's look at it. Do we have real faith? I think sometimes we look at it as an intangible thing between God and us. Over the years, lots of people have said, I've lacked faith. I don't feel the presence of God or his power in my life. How can I have more faith? Well, what about you and what about me? Do we lack faith? To overcome, to overcome sin and guilt. Do we lack faith to be healed of sickness or a disease? Do we lack faith to believe everything in God's word, not just the bits that we like? Do we lack faith that it says in Romans 8:28, all things work together for God if you love God? Do we believe that God will work out injustices in our world and we only have to look around at God's world and wow, there are lots of injustices. We have injustices because of our culture, because of our skin color, because of our background, because of our job, because whether we're single But the people say because we're single, we must be gay. Injustices in our world all around us. And when I say our world, no, it's God's world. Do we believe that God will provide for us? 
Do we believe that we can endure severe trials and persecutions? And I know some of us here have endured those and come through. Do we believe that God will deliver us from them? The Bible says that you need not lack faith in any of these areas, that you can develop your faith. However, the Bible also throws doubt on this and says that most people in the age before Christ's return, and we believe we are in that age at the moment, will not have sufficient faith to confidently claim any of these or other promises from God's word. Wow. Is this something we don't want to hear? I don't. The world is in trouble, isn't it? Wherever we look, wars, bloodshed, God's creations killing each other. What right do they have? Poverty, some barely able to survive physically, inequalities, discrimination, lack of tolerating each other. Problems are escalating on a planet which seems to be cut off from God. God created and provided. So what happened? The apostles in Acts 1 asked Jesus, are you going to go at this time to restore the kingdom? He replied, it's not for you to know the time and dates. Only my father has the authority. Wouldn't we like to know when Jesus is going to come? Is it Tuesday evening? Is it Wednesday morning? Then we'll get our house in order. When speaking of the last times, these times, the last generation before his return, in Luke 18, there was a story of the persistent widow who wanted justice. And Christ said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Think of the incredible implications of this question. Is it possible that true faith could be completely gone from earth when Christ comes again? There was an article written by a lady called Wendy Griffiths a number of years ago. And this article was entitled, Know Your Bible, Many Christians Don't. And I was very interested in it, so I read it. I'm just going to pick one or two things out. Because she discussed in there the ignorance of people in the Bible. Here's what she wrote. It's clear that many people, including Christians, don't know the Bible. Just look at the numbers from a recent study conducted across 5,000 people who profess to be Christians. More than 60% couldn't name either half of the Ten Commandments or the four Gospels in the New Testament. Wow. I don't know if you ever watched the Chase program. Five o'clock on a Friday. I love quiz programs. Andrew does. And I think it's a generational thing sometimes when you think, how the heck does that person not know that answer? And then I think, ah, they're 40 years younger than me. They weren't born when that happened. But there was one recently when someone, when the question by Bradley Walsh said, how many testaments are there in the Bible? And the person said, pass. Could not answer it. And there was another question another day, said there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what was the fourth one? And the man came out with Julian, Matthew, Mark, and Julian. Some 80% 
in this study by her, including born again Christians, believed that God helps those who help themselves, that that is a direct quote from the Bible. That God helps those who help themselves. 80% in her survey said that is a quote in the Bible. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not. What a terrible indictment of our world. You know, Christ said to Simon Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will never overcome it, will never destroy it. And in Matthew 16, he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It's where people should have true faith according to the Bible definition. Let's have a look at the first um, Galatians 5, 22, 23 on the screen, please. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, tolerance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And there is the word, faith. I'm going to mention later on the um, gifts of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There is only one word that is in both the gifts and the fruits. Guess what that is? Faith. All the rest are different. But what is faith? Surely God would not state that those lacking faith cannot possibly please him and then withhold the real definition of faith. There are several common ideas about faith. If you doubt this, then merely ask half a dozen of your friends to explain it, to define it for you. Be prepared for six different answers. I've known people who believe that faith is an intangible feeling that cannot be defined, a feeling. It's often thought to be personal, mysterious and unique to each person. This feeling usually has no definition, structure, clear clear purpose, and is what usually what people want or need it to be. In other words, for almost every person, there is a different description and definition of faith. Others believe that it's some kind of positive thinking. It's as though as long as people take a good view of things and remain upbeat about events, they're demonstrating faith. The Bible nowhere describes faith with the words positive or optimistic, nowhere at all. Other views of faith are that it's hope or it's confidence. In Hebrews 10, it says neither of these is true. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And it goes on to say, there's three things that remain, love, hope, and faith. But the greatest of these is love. And probably we all know that passage. If hope and faith were the same thing, why are they listed separately? Why does God refer to them as three things, surely just two things? When mentioned with love, shouldn't he have said these two? No. Faith is different from hope. Still others believe that one's faith is the equivalent to the church denomination or the church affiliation you belong to. Ephesians 4 says there is one body, not loads. There is one spirit, not lots. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
So if faith was coming to church, or was a church denomination, or you're a Catholic, or a Protestant, or whatever, then there'd be well, and there are well over thousands of churches in the world, there would be thousands of faiths. No, that's ridiculous. Bear in mind that we've just seen that there's only one kind of faith. In a minute, I'm just going to look at whether the Bible precisely defines faith. But the last most common idea of faith is any general belief that Jesus died for our sins. As with the idea that faith is a feeling, the extent of people's personal belief in the sacrifice of Christ becomes the deciding factor in how we choose to define it. Certainly we'll see the true definition of faith does include this important belief. Believing Christ died for your sins is a direction of faith, but not what faith is. So what is faith? It's now time for the most fundamental question. Does the Bible give an exact definition of faith? Since it says there is one faith, does it in fact give one definition of that faith? Is there a place where the Bible says faith is this, faith is that? If so, where is it? Hebrews 11 often is called the faith chapter. It describes many of God's servants. It talks about Abel and Enoch, Noah and Abraham. And it's interesting that all those five are Old Testament people, not New Testament And it talks in Hebrews 11 about how their faith enabled them to perform great acts and great miracles or how to endure severe trials. It's a long chapter, so we're not going to read it this morning, but it's very inspiring. And all who want to have real faith should read it. It contains the word faith two dozen times. And verse 2 says, this is what they were commended for. They were commended for having faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Did you notice that faith involves there certain of what we do not see? Faith involves an assurance, a surety of things hoped for. But if something is hoped for, that something has not yet been received. Where faith is involved, there is an assurance that it will be received. But how can surety be related to something that's not seen? In a courtroom, look at this as an example. Evidence is there that can be proven because if something can't be proven, the person often is not guilty. It involves facts visible to a jury. Surety only involves things that can be seen or demonstrated. Faith involves evidence in the following way. Real faith in any promise made by God is the evidence. It's the belief that is the evidence. I've mentioned a biblical definition of faith, but faith is also a doctrine. The principles of the doctrine of Christ, of faith in God. And Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, Faith is always exercised towards God, but it is Christ who makes faith in God possible. It is faith in God is made possible through Christ. 
Faith is something that Christ teaches. Perhaps when Christ returns, he will find, hopefully, real faith in you and in me. But God wants us to have the faith, not when he comes again and see him. He wants us to have it now, when we can't see him. What are the five senses? They are tasting, touching, smelling, hearing, and seeing. These all involve physical information, physical knowledge. The mind receives and processes this information in order to draw conclusions about circumstances, things and events taking place. But faith is spiritual, not physical. It is an assurance which comes from the Spirit of God in the mind of a Christian. Unfortunately today, many in our world lack power to believe that God will perform the promises contained in Scripture. That God seems far away, very vague to them, to many people who are caught up in a very materialistic world. Many people don't have time for God. There seems to be no room for prayer, Bible studying, fasting, meditation, all those things that draw us and keep us close to God. No one would ever wish to lose his or her physical sight. Certainly no one would ever consider driving a car if they were blind. Now consider the verse in 2 Corinthians verse, um, chapter 5. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Think of this example in the following way. You'd never drive a car, hopefully not, without sight. A Christian is not permitted to walk through life by sight. The very concept of this kind of spiritual understanding is foreign. It's completely alien to human thinking. To do something where you can't see it. But God asks him to have us to have faith when we can't see. But to trust in his promises in scripture. Christ had real faith. God wanted him to go through something. As we remember this morning on the cross. And God He had real faith to go through it, that he was trusting God's promise for his life. Do we trust God's promise for our life? Do we know what God's promise is for our life? We need to read scripture because there are many promises in there. What kind of faith does God expect us to have? Many people think that they must work up faith through works and human effort. They see it as something from within that they can will themselves in possessing. If I do do that, that will give me faith. Do you realize that you and I can have the exact same faith that Christ possessed? You not only can, but God wants us to have it. In Galatians chapter 2, 16, can we just put that up please, Claire? Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. First, that verse states 
that we believe in Christ Jesus. That's something we have to do. Second, it says it's a faith of Christ. Christ's faith in us that justifies us, makes us righteous. Most people never get this understanding straight, in my view. Faith starts with human belief, but must quickly move to the real faith of Christ with the receiving of God's Holy Spirit. God's faith is permanent, and we mustn't waver. He requires that all who come to him in prayer with request do not waver. Have a total trust in me, he says. Not when you, soon, when you seem like it. Not on a Monday, but not on a Wednesday, but on a Tuesday instead. Faith at all times in me. The Bible contains promises. When you claim a promise that we find in the Bible, expect it to be carried out. Don't do it half-heartedly. Expect God to provide for you. I've learned two things, you know, about answered prayer over the years. And please hear me out for the second one after I say the first one. God always answers my prayers if I seek his will. But secondly, he almost never answers them in the way that I expect. God does answer prayer. But sometimes we're very selfish in the way we ask our prayers and we don't say according to his will. So yes, I've seen many answers to prayers but it's not how I envisaged it and how I started. When Anna and I and and my two boys moved to um, Wells in 1999 before living in the Midlands, part of our prayer was perhaps... I'd been working with the YMCA for 14 years and felt it had come to an end. And uh, it, it was tough, it was tough. And we were praying that God would show us something new. We thought we'd be there forever. Well, his God knew was up sticks and moved to another part of the country. So we answered the prayer, but not in the way. And we really tested him. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? If you want that, give me a job. Show me the employment. Show me what to do. We look back on it now and God was 100% spot on. It's us who got it wrong. So God answers our prayers but not always in the way we want. No promise of God can be claimed unless you've learned what the promise is. And therefore we need to find out what promises are in the Bible. Faith has other conditions as well. As we've seen, most people believe that the only kind of faith needed for salvation is to just believe. It is popular to recite from Romans, if you shall confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, verse 9 and verse 13. But can it really be that easy? If so, the Bible could just be two verses long. Those two verses, that's all. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's amazing how many millions of people are content to accept outright twisting of the Bible in order to practice Christianity. And I'm not saying any of us are. 
But there are people who will do that. They will twist Christianity. They'll twist bits of the Bible because it suits them. But we either accept scripture or we don't. We can't put in different things. Okay, yes, we will sometimes have different interpretations. But the basic doctrines and the beliefs are there. Do we live by faith? Faith is not merely something we exercise during life's moment of crisis. And I have to confess, sometimes that's been true for me. When we're faced with something, we really, please God, please God, sort this out. Please help me in this. Reminded me this morning when we were singing about, um, it said we sing when life or turmoil, turmoil all around us And that's something hard to do, isn't it? Something I've learned from Anna, my wife. When things are hard, praise God. And that seems such an opposite thing to do. Things are hard, God. Why would I want to praise you? But to praise him in all things and praise when times are hard, but also when times are good. It's not easy to follow and practice God's truth and believe his promises. God tests our faith. The devil will tempt us to abandon it. That niggling doubt on your shoulder. Nah, nah, you don't want to do that, Martin. You don't want to do that. You know that's not right. Go this way instead. How many times have we heard that, that niggling doubt, which we put down to the devil? I've always learned that God will deliver. Again, not in the way that we sometimes think. However dark circumstances seem, our faith being sorely tested. Many years ago, I was unemployed for a while. Had two young sons. They were young and I hadn't gone back to work. We didn't have much money coming in. We used the gifts that God had given us, our intelligence, our abilities, how to seek further employment. But money was tight. We had two young boys. They wanted things. They wanted this. They wanted that. How could we talk to them and say, we haven't got the money. You can't do that. But we trusted in God. But it was really hard at times. One night, I was locking up the front door, the house. And there was an envelope pushed through the letterbox. A building society check, so we couldn't see who it was from, for a considerable amount, with a little note. This is from God. Wow. Our son Mark, some of you know, youngest son, had a breakdown while he was at university. He, he now lives in America, a great Christian. Um, part of the leadership team in a, in a church in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, where temperatures are 45 at the moment. He says he survives. I couldn't. He's obviously nothing like me then. While he was at university, he was, had a lot of pressure exerted by other students. Physical education students, he was doing a sports coaching degree. Other sports students tried to put pressure on him to take drugs. Sadly, for a while, he took cannabis. But he came home one weekend and he said, Dad, I can't go back. And he realised why. 
And the story goes on and on. But one day, he was so bottled up with everything. Everything had come into his life. And he barricaded himself into his bedroom. And he went under his duvet. And we couldn't get him out. And this went on for a day or two. We used to put food outside the door. Sounds terrible now. He wouldn't come out of his room. And Anna said to me, downstairs you know Martin we've just got to praise God we've got to praise God and I'm thinking there's this poor little mite upstairs having tremendous trouble and we sat and we prayed and I remember we sang majesty we sang majesty and after a few minutes the door opened Mark came in sat down and watched television as though nothing had happened Anna and I just cried We had faith in God that God would deal with that situation even though hell was going on around us. So trust in God. Have faith in God. We're nearly there. Typical people think of faith as something they work up or express towards God so he will do something for them. The books of Matthew and Luke record an important parallel regarding faith. Christ and his disciples, you'll know the story, they were in a boat. When a tremendous storm arose, the disciples became terribly frightened while Christ was asleep. There's two accounts, but they differ. The one in Matthew say, Lord, save us, otherwise we will perish Luke was a bit more blunt and he said, why, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Of course, the disciples weren't converted at this point. They lacked the Holy Spirit. They were not able to develop godly faith. They didn't even have any temporary human faith at the time. However, Christ's towering questions remain for all people why are we fearful sometimes where is our faith Hebrews eleven six says without faith it is impossible to please God God wants you to rely and rely on him to trust him in everything we don't have a choice well we do But when he says, trust in me, we have to trust in him 100% of the time. Like any human father, God does not want you to fret. He doesn't want you to worry and agonize over your needs. He's got it all under control, if only we let him. In numerous places through God's word, he promises to provide for us in all circumstances, That is hard to understand in the situation I had when we had not much money coming in and where our son was suffering. It was hard for us to understand. And I'm so glad Anna said, we've got to praise him. And then we saw the result. And it's as though God was just waiting. Martin and Anna, when are you going to start praising me? And then I will answer your prayer. And he did. but also works and deeds come into it. Faith on its own is not sufficient. And the Bible talks 
about works and good. So putting faith into practice, not just something that is in there, a mental or a cerebral thing. Believe God, trust him, wait on him. Forsaking all, I trust in him. And let's remember that faith is a gift. It is a gift. How do we get it? We draw close to God. How do we do that? We read the Bible. We meditate perhaps. We fast. We pray. We read. Is our faith a living, a cerebral one or a living one? A living faith means putting our lives in God's care. We don't just rely on our own reasoning or our intellect, our secular society, our gifts, but we replace it with an attitude of total reliance on God himself. And there's various words that I've used this morning, total, all, important. Psalm 118 verse 18 says this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in mankind. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in mankind. We're not expected to develop a living faith purely by our own strength. No, that's wrong. We cannot develop a living faith in our own strength. It's God's strength. God, though, has provided a valuable resource for us, us, the Holy Spirit. When Christ went into heaven, then he said, I'm not leaving you. I'm giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable you to carry out and to live as I want you to live. Colin Urquhart, some of you may know, once said, faith is a matter of choice. Faith in God or go it alone. A stark choice. But one or the other, not half and half or three quarters of one and quarter another. Not faith in God when it suits me but total and remember all the great things that God has done for you in your life he created you yes he did he saved you he rescued you he helped you out of sticky situations he's repaired relationships for you or is repairing them he's healed hurts and more and more and more He will do great things in your life again and again and again. If you don't believe that, read scripture. And if I or you have difficulty this morning of possessing the faith that we require, just one simple thing for us to do, and that's ask the Holy Spirit to give it to us in abundance so we can have faith and we can act on it and our life will be so much better for it let's pray our father God we thank you that you have created us you've saved us you've rescued us Many of us can point the finger, point the time when you've rescued us in sticky situations. 
But Father, there have also been situations where we haven't trusted you, where we don't think you can help, and we've gone our own way. Father, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, an example of what true and trusting faith is all about. And thank you that when Jesus went to heaven, we weren't left on our own, but we were here with the Holy Spirit. This morning, Father, if there are those of us who need to call on you to have a massive dollop of faith, to learn to trust in all situations, Father, speak to us this morning. Help us to ask for you, ask you to give us faith in all things and in all situations, not just the good times, but times when we're struggling. As we go into this week, let us have faith that God will be with us every step of the way. Whatever life throws at us, we can trust him because his promise in the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And to that, we just say thank you. Hallelujah. Amen.